Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Hello, 10 o'clock. How are you all? Alive? Kicking? Awesome, isn't it? So good to see the generosity of our church. Thank you so much to each and every one of you who've pledged, and thank you to those of you who still would like to. Uh, your, your giving, your generosity makes such an incredible difference in the life of our church, and so good to see what God is doing in the life of our church, not only corporately and together, but also in the life of our church individually. And uh, you know, God's always at work. I love the song that we sang earlier. Hey, he's always, he's a miracle worker. He's a way maker. He's, he's always working even when we don't see him. Hey, he really is. And uh, I thought this morning, let me encourage you. A couple of praise reports that'll just lift your faith a little bit. Because if he can do it for you or them, he can do it for you. If he can do it for these guys, he can do it for me. And some of these guys, I mean, these are muchus. Some of these guys, yeah, I, I know these guys. <laughs> One beautiful lady in our congregation said, thank you, Father, for my cousin who is fully recovered from what they thought would be a fatal injury to the head. And after it wasn't fatal, they thought, well, this person's never gonna uh, be able to function at all going forward. And they, they said, though the medical report said she would never recover fully, she is now fully, fully recovered and fully functional. Isn't that awesome? Um, this person said, during Prayer Connect, I submitted a prayer request. You never know what goes on at Prayer, prayer Connect, eh? It's amazing to see all the prayer requests put in, and then a few weeks later, the testimonies start to flow. They said, I submitted a prayer request for my dad to get a job. God did it and exceeded our expectations. Thank you so much. How the cool is that? Um, this person, with God's help, I've quit smoking five months and going strong. Isn't that cool? Um, I love this one. After two very long years of battling to get an answer and a diagnosis to my illness, the 13th doctor, can you imagine that? 13 doctors later. Persevere, man. Push through. If you're at six doctors, we'll keep going, you know? Somebody here needs to hear that just to persevere. The 13th doctor was finally able to get to the bottom of it. I'm now on the right medication and only onwards and upwards from here. That's cool. And that was a big deal. I love this guy. He writes in and says, thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. I prayed that my extra maths lessons would do the job, and they did. So that's cool. <laughs> so it's nice. So. Should we get into it? Should we stand together? Come, let's, uh, let's stand. Commit this time to God. Trust Him to do something. How many of you came to church this morning because you believe that God is a miracle-working, way-making, always-at-work God? And you've got some faith, you need something done in your life. You know, more than we need God to intervene in our situations, though, more than we need that, and we do need that, we also need Him to intervene in us. We also need Him to mold us and shape us and make us more like Jesus. So should we pray for that this morning? Father, thank You for Your love and Your grace. And Holy Spirit, we pray that as we give these next few moments to You, You would do the deep work in our lives that You and only You can do that you would have your will and your way in our lives. Help us to be receptive, to be attentive, to be open to your word. May it mold us, shape us, make us more like you, Jesus. Help us to be responsive in our spirits, to grab hold of truth when we hear it, and to have the courage to apply it to our lives. Everybody in the 10 o'clock. Said?
Amen. Just want to say, by far, you are the best, best looking crowd by a long way. <laughs> Eight o'clock looked like they just got out of bed. Nine o'clock in Edenville, not much better. Ten o'clock yurks are amazing. So there we go. Anyway, have a seat. <laughs> Let's talk. I'm going to show you a picture of this pyramid-shaped skyscraper. It'll be on the screen. It's obviously got architectural influence from ancient Egypt. This, this building was set out to be, it was supposed to be the tallest hotel building in the world. It was supposed to be the world's tallest hotel. It was supposed to open in 1989. It never did. And in 1993, the project was finally abandoned and would remain forever incomplete and unfinished because of a lack of funds to complete the operation. Pastor Candice and I went to the city of Alexandria in Egypt a few years ago, and we were shocked by the city at how ugly the city is. The reason it's so ugly and the reason those buildings look so terrible is that in Egypt there's a law that says if you paint the plaster of a building and if you put windows in, the building is now deemed to be completed, and therefore you pay a tax on it. So your building gets taxed the moment it's complete. So it doesn't take the oaks very long. It's not rocket science to realize if you just leave the thing unpainted and with no window frames in it, it's incomplete and you don't pay tax. Talk about a stupid tax law. Always unfinished, always incomplete. Charles Dickens, famous author, he's known for many books, A Christmas Carol, Great Expectations, a Tale of Two Cities, and many, many more. He was busy writing a new novel called The Mystery of Edwin Drood. And he was putting it out in like little serials, little chapters, one chapter at a time in a magazine, right? But he died in 1870 without ever having completed the story. The result was nobody knows who the murderer is in, in the murder mystery. Nobody ever found out. They read up to halfway because the book remained unfinished and incomplete. I thought about this and I thought, I think nobody likes unfinished things, hey? Nobody likes unfinished business. Nobody likes incompleteness. I don't know about you, but I feel so often like unfinished spiritually. I feel like an unfinished, uncompleted article. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel so often. Incomplete, unfinished, and I like... Like, is Jesus doing anything in my life? Like, is it, you know, am I changing to be like him at all? Like, sometimes it just feels like there's so little progress. Anyone ever feel like that? Eight o'clock wouldn't put their hands up, but I knew 10 would. <laughs> if you feel like that, you're in good company. Because we all do at times. Guess what? Paul the Apostle knew that his church that he had planted, one of them in Philippi, in kind of Macedonia, Greece area, he knew that those people would be struggling with this very thing. God, it feels like I'm so incomplete and unfinished. So he writes to this beloved church. He, loves, he loved this church so much, he writes to them and he gives them these words of encouragement in Philippians chapter one, verses three to six. If you're new to our church, we're in a series at the moment called Living My Best Life. It's a series based upon the book of Philippians. And we've just been looking at some of the awesome, awesome texts, passages in Philippians that quite really are life-changing when we apply them to our lives. This morning, Philippians 1, verses three to six. 
Paul writes and he goes, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Here's verse six. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day of Christ Jesus. All right, I've got good news for you this morning. We're gonna camp and hang out in only verse six. Philippians 1 verse 6. I figured today's Advent, by the way. It's the start of the Advent season. First Sunday of December is Advent. It's holiday season. I reckon one verse is just enough for today. <laughs> Are you all still with me? One verse. Can you do one verse? I know it's December, but can you do one verse? All right. Philippians 1 verse 6. He goes, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work. Let's hang out and understand this concept of this work. So he says, God who began the good work within you. What's the good work within you? What work is Paul referring to here? He's referring to something very specific, very contextual. He is referring to the good work that the Philippian church had just undertaken by being generous to the church in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem as a church, very poor, believers were suffering. The Philippian church came in and they said, hey guys, we're gonna put our hands up to help this poor church in Jerusalem. And they had given a substantial financial offering to this church. So Paul writes to them and he goes, hey guys, first up, I wanna commend you and I wanna say well done for this good work of generosity that you have been involved with. Thank you for it, right? But then he goes on and he says, but God will continue his work, middle line in the middle. He will continue his work. Now, what's this ongoing work? What's this continuing work? What's this work that he calls his work? Do you notice something very, very careful? God who began the good work, that's generosity. Now it's will continue his work. Are you with me? What's the his work? What's Paul referring to when he goes, he'll continue his work? Well, let me unpack his work for us this morning. His work, the work of God in our lives, has got two components to it, two rivers or two streams, if you like. The first is the instant, immediate, complete, saving work of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The moment you and I grab a hold of that, the moment you and I say, yes, the moment we apply that work of Jesus to our lives, His work, Jesus' work, becomes the work that we apply to our lives. His work on the cross now becomes our saving righteousness. Are you with me? His work starts with this concept of justification. Justification is just the theological concept for the fact that Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' goodness, Jesus' character, Jesus' sinlessness gets taken and gets put on us. It's almost like the Father goes and takes the robe of Jesus, takes it off Jesus and puts it on us and says, see, now you're sinless like He was. See, now you're justified like Him. Justification, it's just as if I never sinned. That's the first work. What's his work referred to by Paul? His work starts with the saving work of Jesus. The moment we say yes to him, the righteousness of Jesus gets placed on us. 
Now, what's the implication for you and for me? Well, it's a staggering implication. If you will sit with this for this week, it'll change your life. The implication of this is that when God looks at you and when he looks at me, he doesn't see you and me anymore, he sees Jesus. It's hard to get, it's hard to grasp. Some days we grasp this better than others. When God looks at you and he looks at me, he doesn't see your sin and he doesn't see my sin. In fact, the scripture says he has now separated it from the east to the west. As far as those two are apart, that's how far he has separated our sin from us. In fact, the Bible goes further and says God can't even remember your sin. Whatever you did on Saturday night, whatever dodgy spot you went to on Saturday night, <laughs> if, you have, if you have genuinely in repentance come before him, he doesn't, he can't, if you ask God now, where did I go last night? He wouldn't be able to tell you. What, there's only one thing God can't do. Remember your sin. Doesn't do it. It's gone very quiet in this Catholic church. Are you all thinking about the dodgy spots you went to last night? It's a, it's a mind-blowing thought. His work, where does it start? With that. That the moment you and I made a decision to follow Jesus, if in your heart you have invited him into your life, if you have made a decision to follow him as Lord and Savior, if you have accepted Christ's work on the cross for yourself, if you have believed in his work, his work starts with the fact that you are now justified. You look like Jesus to God. He doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I feel like if we just hung with that a little bit, if we sat with that this week, it would change everything. I mean, if you could really grasp, if I could really grasp that God doesn't see your mess ups, he doesn't see mine, he sees Jesus, we'd walk around very different. So remember I said this, his work, it starts with, it's, it's got two streams, it's got two, two parallel rivers. The first is justification. The second part of God's work in us is the lifelong, ongoing work of becoming more like Jesus. That's not instant, that's ongoing. That's continuous. That's always happening. That, that's gonna take the rest of your life. And this is what Paul is encouraging these, this church into. He's saying his work, you're justified. Think of being justified. Think of having your sin wrapped around in the, in the righteousness of Jesus. Think of that like an inoculation. You know, you get your measles inoculation in your arm. You're forever free from the effects of measles. You would never have measles, right? That's inoc Justification is like an inoculation. Sanctification is more like dialysis. You've got to go on dialysis every day if you're sick. Why? Because without it, you live weaker. Sanctification, that's the, just the theological word for the ongoing work of God in our lives to make us more like Jesus. That takes a lifetime. And it can take so long and it can feel so slow, hey? And you think to yourself, I wonder, is it making any difference? Is God doing anything at all? But let me tell you what this work does. Philippians chapter two, Paul's still on the same track here. And he goes, 
for God is working in you, in verse 13, working in you, right? Still, he's still on the same theme. God is working in you. Okay, remember Philippians 1 was the work in you. What does this work do? It gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Means that the work of God in our lives, as he makes us more like Jesus, what, what, what ends up happening? We start to want to do what pleases God. Now, some days we've got lots of desire to please God and very little power to please God. Some days we've got lots of power to please God, it feels like, but no desire. Someday we've got nothing of either, right? But he's always working. Even when we don't see him, he's working. And he slowly, but surely, like it might not feel like it based upon last night or your last week or wherever you were, it might not feel like there's anything happening in your life. Might not feel like God's working, but he is. And he works through the Holy Spirit. Who does the work in your life? Who makes you more like Jesus? Who makes me more like Jesus? Who sanctifies me? Who keeps continuing making me more like Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel chapter 36, come with me to that. And I will put my spirit where? In you. So that you'll follow my decrees, be careful to obey my regulations. Here's what you need to know. The work of God, God's work in us, starts with the decision to follow Jesus. That means we get wrapped in the righteousness, the goodness, the perfection of Jesus. That means God sees us no longer and he sees Jesus. That means he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. That means he doesn't even recognize you when he sees you, he sees Jesus. That work then continues through sanctification, through like dialysis every day, Every day we're being with Jesus so we can become more like him. Who does the work? The Holy Spirit does the work. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us. And it's the Holy Spirit. He does the work. But here's the thing. This is why Paul, here's the reason. I'm about to give you the reason why Paul had to write to these oaks because it takes so long because the work seems so slow because the work feels so frustratingly long. So he writes to them and goes, don't worry, hey guys, he's gonna carry on doing what he needs to do because the Holy Spirit does the work. But he has, he has, if there's any bad news today, I'm about to give it to you quickly. He does it really slow and it takes a long time and it takes a lifetime for the Holy Spirit to do what he does. I thought about our kids, you know, they grow. They grow when they're sleeping, right? At night, kiddies are asleep. Wake up the next morning, I look at them, I don't see any difference from the previous night. But if I had to look back over the last year and I saw, I'd compare Caitlin's heights, I'd go, oh, there's been growth. But it's been slow. In fact, it's been so slow that you don't even notice it from day to day to day. This is how the Holy Spirit works in us. This is how he makes us more like Jesus. Day by day by day by day. Some days it doesn't feel like anything's happening. Hey, some days it doesn't feel like there's any difference. Some days it doesn't feel like you've grown at all. Some days it feels like you stayed the same height for the last four months. But he does the work and he does it slowly. Think of the Holy Spirit's work in us a little bit like a pressure cooker. Think of it actually like a poiki. Mm. What's the time? How long till lunch? The Holy Spirit doesn't flash fry us. Are you with me? Yeah. He doesn't heat up the pan and go, cooked. Because meat that's been cooked like that 
It's not soft. It's not lacquer. It's not mwah, right? But meat that's been in a poiki. Oh, you braise it, not too hot. You just braise it. You put it in the pot. Start adding a little bit of water, a little bit of gravy, a bit of red wine, a little bit of stock, hey? And the fire's burning nice and slow. Slowly but surely, what do you start to see? You start to see little bubbles. Starts to cook nice and slow. I've lost some of you. You're gone, you're done. (laughs) But what's happening to the meat? It's softening. It's becoming tasty. It's becoming awesome. Sometimes we look at our lives and we just wish God would flash fry us. God, if you could just quickly cook me. And he goes, I, I, don't, I don't do quick cooking. We're into slow craft food here when it comes to us. Who does the work? The Spirit of God. How does he do it? Slowly. How do you know if you're cooking? How do you know if you're becoming softer? How do you know if there's been a change? Will you look back? Galatians 5.22 tells us how you'll know it. Galatians 5.22. It says, but the Holy Spirit is working within us, right? Producing this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How do you know if you're cooking? You've got some fruit that's coming your way. Let me ask you a question. What fruit do you know of that just arrives instantly? I mean, even with all our genetic modification these days, you still don't get a banana overnight, do you? There's no such thing as an apple that suddenly appears. It takes a while, doesn't it? And what Paul is telling us here is that this fruit, like a puiki cooking, like a proper stew, like a pressure cooker, takes a while. It's a lifelong process. If you're looking for it to be quick, I've got bad news for you. But if you're looking for it to be perfect, I've got good news for you. The very purpose of our lives is to grow this fruit. What's the work of God in our lives? One that we're justified immediately, inoculated against the eternal consequences of sin. Secondly, The Holy Spirit starts a lifelong process in us of making us more like Jesus. Slowly but surely, the fruit grows. Slowly. Think about Roger Federer. Probably probably will go down as the greatest tennis player. I think probably based on his record, he has to. How many of you would agree, Roger Federer is not as good as his last game? Roger Federer is as good as his long-term track record says he is. Are you with me? Roger Federer is not as good as uh, whether he lost to some Russian, unknown Russian dude last week. That, that's not how good Roger Federer is. Roger Federer is as good as what his career uh, titles say he is. Are you with me? You are not as good as your worst moment last night, yesterday, the last week. You're not as good as that. You're as good as how much you've grown fruit over the last couple of years. 
So this morning, cut yourself some slack. Stop judging yourself by your worst moment and look over the longer period of time. How much have I grown in my fruit? And maybe there's a little, just a touch more love in my life. Maybe a little bit more patience. You know, I used to look at every taxi that cut me off. Now I just do every second one. That's progress. <laughs> huh? And next year, you're gonna get down to every third. That's progress. Maybe there's a little bit more joy. If you look back over two years ago, three years ago, and you look back now, there's more joy. There's patience and kindness. And maybe you, your heart for the poor is, 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 is so much more soft than what it ever used to be. Maybe now you get to the robots and it bugs you when there's a, when there's a baby or when there's a, a, a person begging. And in the past, you just said, yeah, I used to check that poor. It's their own fault. They, they don't wanna work or whatever the case is. Are you going, I wonder what it must be like to be in those guys' shoes. I wonder what it must be like to stand in the sun the whole day begging. Look, over the period in your life, has there been some fruit? Cut yourself some slack. Encourage yourself. Don't judge yourself by your worst moments. Judge yourself by the fruit that's been growing. Now, I know your bananas might still be a little bit green and the apples might be a little bit sour and, you know, the, the grapes, uh, just be with him. And you'll become like him. You'll do what he did. Keeping in his word every week, keeping in his house every week, being in his word every day, in his house every week. Slowly but surely, you're gonna look back and go, yes, three years ago I was a proper muhu. Now I'm like 50% of that muhu. <laughs> hey? I'm encouraged when I read this text. Here's the thing, God abandons nothing that he undertakes. Did you know that? God does not abandon anything that he starts. There are no unfinished worlds there are no half-completed galaxies. There are no um, abandoned universes in, in all of creation. God did not do half-made. God does not do forsaken. God completes what He starts. God does not get bored. He does not get tired. He does not get weak. He does not get filled with despair. God does not get disgusted and abandon the project. God completes. He finishes what he starts. And Paul is saying, listen, if he started a work in you, hang on, strap yourself in and carry on with the ride because he will complete it. Now, he will only complete it in one moment. For the rest of your life, you're gonna be incomplete. You're gonna be growing fruit. You're gonna be becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more like Jesus, but you'll only reach perfection in one moment. And that moment is when Jesus returns. In that moment, what he's gonna do is he's gonna do two things. He's gonna complete you straight away. You're gonna become perfect. Those who've been working your biceps, yes, all of a sudden they're gonna be so lacquer. Those of you who've been growing your hair back, your hair's gonna be like just amazing. Those of you going growing gray and you've been graying your hair, your hair's gonna be looking lacquer straight away. You'll get a new body, everything will be rad. It'll be amazing. But more importantly than that, he's gonna complete you emotionally, spiritually, physically. He's gonna complete you. And then he's gonna judge you. Now, there are gonna be two types of judgment at the end of time. The first judgment 
is gonna be called the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment that you see in Revelation chapter 20, if you wanna read it. This is a scary judgment. This is a judgment where every person who has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and rejected him, said no to him, said, God, I couldn't be bothered with you. That then in that moment, Christ will sit on his, on his throne. God will sit on his throne and he will judge every unbelieving person and it'll be a judgment of punishment. Scripture is very clear that every person in that judgment will be headed to an eternity of destruction, an eternity of fire. It's a scary judgment. The judgment that Paul talks here, when Christ returns, that's gonna be the Bema seat judgment, B-E-M-A, Bema seat. That's gonna be Christ's judgment seat. In that moment, as he perfects you, you're gonna stand before him and he's gonna judge you. What's he gonna do? He's not gonna judge you to see whether you go to heaven or not. He's gonna judge you based upon your works in life and he's gonna reward you based upon your works. That will not be a judgment to determine whether we go to hell or heaven. That'll be a judgment to determine how amazing is your reward gonna be in heaven. And some of the stuff we did that we thought was so rad and so cool and so impactful, Christ's gonna gaze at it and he's gonna, it's gonna burn up in front of his gaze. It's gonna be shown to be straw. But some of our work is gonna be shown to be gold. Some of it will withstand the fire of his gaze. Some of it, you'll, you'll stand in front of him and his eyes will blaze and your works will stand around you and they'll be shown to be what they are, gold, pure gold. And he'll reward you for that. And even the person who gets like the littlest reward will be the most mind-blowing thing you've ever thought about. And there are gonna be mansions given. The Bible talks about that. This is the judgment that Paul is talking about, that when the day of Christ comes, he will complete you and then he will reward you. He will reward you, right. And so Paul writes with confidence that he will complete it. And Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, tells us that he's confident. So he says, that's why I'm suffering here in prison. Paul's like, I'm in the pukey pot, right? But I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he's able to guard what I've given him until what? The day of his return. Do you see the parallel? Paul's talking here. Number one, I'm gonna give him all of my life. I'm gonna entrust what I've given him. I'm gonna stay the course. I'm gonna hang in there. I'm gonna keep going because he's still working. He's always, always working. One day when he returns, I know he's gonna reward me. And so Paul writes with confidence in all of his letters, it's a theme that emerges to say, hey, God's always at work. He continues his work. Stay the course, hang in there. Don't judge yourself by your worst moments. Judge yourselves by the fruit in your life and you will see the day when Christ returns, he'll reward you and he'll perfect you. More than 50 years ago, there were some researchers at Stanford University that conducted a study on preschoolers. Shame, these little preschoolers were like guinea pigs in this experiment. You know what they did to these guys? They gave um, these kids a marshmallow. Each one of them, they gave them a marshmallow and they said, hey guys, if you, I mean these little preschooler kids, right? Five, six years old. They said to these kids, if you can keep this marshmallow that we give you now, if you can keep it for 15 minutes and not eat it, there's a bigger reward on the other side. We're gonna give you two marshmallows. And then they photographed and they filmed these kids. Some of these kids standing there, you can see, 
wanting to eat this thing. Five minutes goes, 10 minutes goes, 12 minutes goes, and they, and they eat this thing. They can't handle it anymore. Others took it in their mouth and they just ate it immediately. They looked at it, they're like, no, nah, I don't care about the other one. No, munch it straight away. Others sat there exercising willpower and they held on to their marshmallow for 15 minutes and they got a reward of double the marshmallows when they, when they passed the test, right? And then they did a test to see, they followed these kids through, throughout life and they noticed that the kids who were able to hang on to the marshmallow, who could delay their gratification, guess what? Those kids were three times more likely to succeed than the kids who didn't. Think about that the next time you have a packet of salt and vinegar chips in front of you. Yeah. What's the point of the story? What's the moral of the story? Patient perseverance brings a reward. Patient perseverance brings a reward. D.H. Roper said this, what's required is dogged endurance, keeping at the task of obedience through the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, the victories and losses in life. It's trying again, right? While knowing that God is working in you to accomplish his purposes. It is persistently pursuing God's will for your life till you stand before him and your work is done. God began a work in you, church. It is a good work. It's a work that's gonna continue for the rest of your life. When he began that work in you, first he justified you. He saved you. He inoculated you from the effects of sin. Then he began the great work through his Holy Spirit of continuing throughout your life. God continued his work in your life, will continue his work in your life, and you will remain a work in progress. There should be a sign above our heads that says construction in progress. But every day, though you don't see it, though you don't notice it, He's always at work. And one day you're gonna look back five, 10 years from now, you're gonna look back and go, oh, look at the fruit. There's more love, there's more joy, there's more peace, there's more patience, there's more kindness, there's no more faithfulness, there's more self-control. The good work that he began in you, he will complete. Would you hang in there? Would you stop judging yourself based upon your worst moments? Judge yourself based upon the fruit that's evidenced in your life over the long term. Would you remain encouraged that he's always at work with you and you will be rewarded one day. You'll be perfected and then you'll be rewarded and you'll be at home with him one day for all of eternity. Your life counts. He's doing something in your life. Hang in there. Stop being so hard on yourself. Allow the Spirit of God to continue to work in you, through you, and for you. Shall we pray together? Let's do that. Come. I want to mention this this morning as every head is bowed and eye closed. Let's give people space to receive this this morning. There's something exceedingly important about what I'm saying to you this morning. There's something that makes all the difference between this being just an encouraging message. There's something that takes this from being theoretical and makes it practical. There's something, there's one factor this morning that takes what I've said to you and makes it completely possible for you and me to live like this. There's one factor that takes this and makes this not simply a word of encouragement 
encouragement, not simply motivational. There's one thing that makes this the gospel, and that is the fact that Jesus Christ lived this way. He lived in the pressure. He lived in the puiki pot. He lived wondering whether he could fulfill what God had planned for him, and yet he did. He stood in the garden of Gethsemane and he fell to his knees and he asked God if it wasn't possible for God to stop what was going on then. And then he prayed, but yet not my will, but your will be done. He prayed, not, not what I want, but what you want. Here's the thing, it's possible for you to persevere. It's possible for you to continue in life. It's possible for you to carry on till completion one day because Jesus did it. And... The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that lived in Jesus, guess what, lives in us. You see, what happened is Jesus died a sinless death, was buried, resurrected by the Spirit of God, 40 days later ascended to heaven, and when he did, he sent his spirit to live within us. That's what it means to be a Christian, a Christ one, a mini Jesus, it means you have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. That's why you can live this way. That's why I can live this way. Why can you continue? Why can you persevere? Why can you have hope that he will continue the work one day, until one day he completes it? Why? Because Jesus lived like that. And that, my friends, is the good news. This morning, let me ask you the question. Which judgment would you rather be part of? Part of the great white throne judgment where God will judge every unbeliever, every person who never said yes to Jesus. Or the judgment of Christ where he comes to reward those who have believed in him, where those who've made a decision for him, he comes to reward. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Every person sitting in this room who's made a decision to follow Jesus, you and I will be part of that judgment. It'll be a judgment of reward, not a judgment of punishment. This morning, I wanna encourage you in the strongest way possible to move from being in a, judge, in a judgment of punishment to a judgment of reward. I wanna urge you this morning to say yes to Christ, to say yes to following Him, to say yes to inviting Him into your life. Because when you do in that moment, you change sides. Your future changes immediately. Straight away, God looks at you, puts the cloak of Jesus around you. He says, I see now my son in you. Your, his righteousness is now yours. He no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your separation. He no longer sees where you've blown it or what's gone wrong in your life. He sees Jesus. And he continues to work in you and through you. This morning, if you wanna make that decision, if you wanna say yes to him, if you wanna make a decision to follow him, it would be my privilege and my honor to help you with that this morning. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to slip up your hand. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand up nice and high so I can see you. I'm gonna see you and say thank you. I'm gonna acknowledge you, say God bless you. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna identify you. I'm not gonna make you come to the front. I'm not gonna make you feel weird in any way. I'm simply gonna say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm gonna include you in our prayer this morning and give you some next steps. This is the best decision you could ever make. And the decision is right before you this morning. It's urgent and it's important. On the count of three, if you wanna say yes to Jesus and you wanna follow him this morning, it would be my privilege to help you with that. Ready? Here we are, on the count of three. One, 
two, three. Hands up all across this place. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. That's awesome. Up in the balcony, I'm looking at you guys as well. If anybody up in the balcony wants to respond, yes, God bless you. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you at the back. That's great. Thank you, sir. Come, there's still people responding. Why don't you be part of them? Yes, thank you, ma'am, down in the front. Thank you. That's awesome. Anybody else? So good. So good. So good. I don't want to stop the service if there's still somebody who wants to respond. Thank you, young man. You can take your hand down. I've seen you. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Thank you, sir, in the white t-shirt. You can take your hand down. I've seen you. God bless you. Come, church. Shall we pray together? Thrive, this is a moment where we go from coming to church to being the church. That's why we pray together. Because your voice that you're about to pray now will encourage somebody sitting next to you. You know, we're gonna give words to what's going on in people's hearts. People that are responding this morning may have no idea how to take the first step of praying. That's what we're doing for them this morning. We're coming alongside them. We're helping them. Your prayer really makes a difference. Your voice makes a difference. That's why we do what we do. So I'm gonna invite you this morning, come pray with me. Doesn't matter if you're a quiet person, doesn't matter if you're an introverted person. First of all, you're a Christ follower. Come, let's help these people this morning. So many of them have made an awesome decision. Let's pray out loud together. So Father God, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you for your life and your death. I ask you this morning, would you come into my life? I open the door of my life to you. And I invite you in. I want to say sorry and repent of those moments where I've blown it, where I've followed things not good for me. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. 10 o'clock. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.